Hello and welcome to another episode of the Fail Mary podcast. Week 11 has come and gone. It was a week of reasonably poor quarterback play across the board, actually. Um, and we will get to our main story, which this week is about fine margins. We'll also have, of course, a more successful Akastaka. We improved this week and the mailbag and, of course, games of the week. First, though, the stories from week 10. The Browns beat the Steelers 21-7 in one of the one of the more stupid games I've seen in a while. We'll come to the Miles Garrett situation later, but Baker Mayfield finally played not terribly. He threw for two touchdowns and zero turnovers. Only 190 yards or so, though, so not great. Mason Rudolph was awful and threw for four touchdowns. His best moment was probably what he did at the end of the game. But again, coming to that later. The Falcons continued their sudden ability to play defence and crushed the Panthers 29-3. Kyle Allen continued his poor form since starting since gaining the starting job with another four turnovers. Matt Ryan is probably the most underrated QB in the NFL. He was once again very, very efficient. The Ravens absolutely ruined the Texans 41-7. This game was really quite one-sided. The Ravens' defence caused Watson to play his worst game of his career so far with an interception, a strip sack and no passing touchdowns. Lamar passed for four touchdowns, so did less running than usual, which was good. Um, and passed for a grand total of 222 yards. The Vikings scraped a 27-23 win at home to the Broncos. The Broncos were 20-0 up at half-time. The Vikings couldn't get the run game going whatsoever and Cousins had to come out in the second half. Cousins had to come out in the second half and remember how to pass. He aimed at Diggs five times for 113 yards and a touchdown. Brandon Allen, that's the Broncos QB. I'm sure you didn't know that. I didn't until this week. Used Cortland Sutton for 113 yards, which is a surprisingly entertaining shootout actually in the end. Denver defended very, very well. Ultimately ran out of steam offensively though. The Patriots of course ruined what could have been a 4-4 Acker weekend, beating the Eagles 17-10. This game was summed up pretty much in the last two drives. Patriots offense went three and out, and Wentz had a chance to win. He then threw a ridiculously good pass on third and long to get into Patriots territory before missing two open receivers and having to heave a last-ditch effort into the end zone straight to Nelson Aguilar, who promptly dropped it and um, lost the game for the team. The Bengals are officially eliminated from their playoff contention, not that they were really ever in it in the first place. They lost to the Raiders this week. There is a man in Cincinnati, apparently, who said after week five that if they didn't beat the Raiders... In, the week, in week five, that is, he would live on the roof of this famous sports bar in Cincinnati. Uh, apparently, he's still there. I imagine it's probably getting quite cold in Cincinnati at this point. So, Bengals, please save that man. Get yourself a win somewhere. And finally, the game in Mexico City ended 24-17 to the Chiefs over the Chargers. This was actually quite an underwhelming game. The Chiefs made Mahomes do all of the work. He was their top rusher as well as their, you know, their only amazing passing player. And Rivers threw another four interceptions, including on the last drive of the game, whilst looking for a chance to win. And that interception went to a relatively unknown linebacker, so it wasn't like it was a particularly good play. Just threw it straight down his throat. And that means that the standings in the AFC, the Patriots are 9-1, the Ravens are 8-2. They're the top two seeds. The Chiefs and the Colts are the other two division leaders. The Colts taking it from the Texans due to their better division ranking. The Bills and the Texans take up the wild card spots there at 7-3 and three and 6-4 and four in the hunt of the Raiders, amazingly, with 6-4, and four, only one off the Chiefs, and the Titans 5-5 five and five, and they're hunting the Texans, another, again, only a one game behind. 
In the NFC, it's the 49ers and the Packers. We're 9-1 and 8-2. And, and then the next two division leaders are the Saints, 8-2, and, and the Cowboys, 6-4. and four. Uh, Sea The Seahawks and the Vikings make up the final two wildcard spots there, 8-2 and, and 8-3. And Slightly off the pace, but still technically in contention are the Rams, 6-4, and the Eagles, 5-5 five five in their weak division. They could nick the Cowboys spots if they start playing a bit better. So, as we said, fine margins, and that is the story of the week. There is very little room in an NFL team for there to be mistakes and problems. Everything is so interconnected. It's like a well-oiled machine. If you get a cog in the wrong way round, or it's a bit too big or a bit too small, it comes to a juddering halt and the engine explodes and it all falls apart. So it doesn't take much at all to go from being a success to, you know, a bit of a train wreck. For example, if you look at the Chargers, the Chargers were 12-4 and four last year, and yet this season very little has changed, but they're currently 4-7 and seven and 3rd in their division. What's happened is they've lost a few of their own linemen, so they're getting a, a worse pass rush, a better pass rush coming against them. Rivers is too old to adjust, so he's having to take more chance on his throws and throwing earlier. He's throwing more turnovers, the offense isn't working, and they can't get results. This is happening for a few teams. Look at Chicago. Chicago had an absolutely unreal defense last year that carried them all the way. They lose just a couple of those defensive pieces, and suddenly Mitch Trubisky has to do a bit more work. Oh wait, he can't, he's terrible, team falls apart. Same with the Rams. Amazing power running team last year. Gurley gets a bit injured. The offensive line isn't quite as good. Jared Goff can't overcome. And they're, again, struggling third in their division. Even Minnesota, week to week, have a problem where the question is, which Kirk are we going to get? Are we going to get good Kirk or bad Kirk? If we get bad Kirk, then we're depending on our running game. If our running game doesn't work, we're going to lose. That's what happened in the first half, half against Denver. And then he somehow remembered how to play quarterback for the second half. You see the situation happening a lot going that way and it does work the other way think about Atlanta for the first half of the season Atlanta were I mean the joke of the NFL they couldn't defend I've, I watched a 40 minute video on how bad they were at defending they go away on a bye week they make a really minor defensive adjustment it's really just about how they rush and how, how they rush the passer and suddenly they're very competitive and have beaten two significant teams in the Saints and the Panthers and played really well think about Oakland as well Oakland last season laughing stock of the lead, traded away their best player. Everyone thought they were going to be a complete train wreck. But they used all that positioning to stack up an O-line and become a really physical, dominant run team. And again, 5-4, and four, second in the division, being very competitive. It doesn't fix all your problems, but it is the diff these small adjustments are the difference between being a poor team and being a good team. But going from being a poor team to being a good team is much worse because often the thing that's getting in your way and slowing you down is the thing that's hardest to let go of and there's so many examples of this think about the ravens the ravens this year are topping their division running everyone over just destroyed houston and yet for the last 10 years they've refused to acknowledge that they had this problem at quarterback joe flacco won them one super bowl and they kept him and kept him on this huge contract for the following seven years it's finally they move away they trust lamar they build a new system around lamar and again they're very fruitful, but they took so long to let go of Flacco because he'd been the thing that gave them success before, so they didn't want to be the team that moved off the piece that was making them work. This happened to Green Bay as well. Green Bay, Mike McCarthy got them one Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers and then five years of terrible defence. And 
Aaron Rodgers got more and more annoyed and Greenbow is more and more of a mess. Suddenly, new guy comes in, changes how they play the ball, run the ball a bit more, take a bit of pressure off Aaron, give him a bit better defence. not amazing, but it's better. And Green Bay are competitive and top of their division. Even Tennessee this season, they picked Mariota first pick four years ago, feel like they have to just keep playing him, even though he's clearly useless. And they've finally gone, right, enough is enough. We're putting Tannehill in. And since they've done that, they've won two games and been much more successful. And the reason I mention this is because there is a game to be played this weekend where we see two really good examples of teams that are just one minor adjustment away from being really, really good. But if they don't do it, then it could be poor forever. And one team, I have absolute confidence, will make the adjustment. And the other team, I'm just not so sure. This is going to be one of my games of the weeks. It's going to be amazing. This is Dallas versus the Patriots. The Patriots are absolutely king of making the adjustment when they need to. They always move off difficult players in the past. They're very, very good at that. And they are so good at adjusting that they sometimes do it in-game. If you look at the Rams game in the Super Bowl last year, they made one adjustment, touchdown, won the game, sorted. So I listened to a podcast about them this weekend about how, you know, Brady's Brady's getting old and the offense is tin pop and doesn't work and blah, 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 blah. I was sat there. Are they not 9-1? and one? Did they not beat Philadelphia, a, a supposedly much more high-powered team? Do they not continue to top their division and get a first-round bye? What, what is this idea that the, the Patriots, every single time they don't ruin someone, there seems to be this conversation about, about Brady and it's really annoying because this is exactly what the Patriots want. And when it comes to it, their offense will make the adjustment and will make the play. That's always been the case. We talked about this last week as well. So I don't want to stress too long on it. But relax on the Patriots. They're going to be fine. They're going to the playoffs, probably to the Super Bowl. The Patriots will make the, the adjustment. They are the the gold standard of making the adjustment when they need to. And they'll do it again this year. I'll have 100% faith. They're playing Dallas. And Dallas are running out of excuses to not fire Jason Garrett. I'm not joking. This weekend... Even though they got the win, Dak Prescott played amazingly. And yet in the fourth quarter, Jeff Driscoll and the Lions. So the Lions and their backup QB, whose name I'd, again, not really heard before this weekend, were in the game. And it just, a really elite team would have put them to bed. The Ravens put the Texans to bed by about half time. The the New England Patriots consistently put teams in their division to bed by half time. The Lions aren't that good a team. And yet Dallas let them stay in it. And this is my complaint about Jason Garrett the whole time. He's never been a coach who separates. He wins games. He has results. He's, you know, he sort of churns through and churns things out and is successful and gets them to the playoffs. And then they get to the playoffs and they actually face an elite team and invariably they go out. And it's a different problem every year. Last year it was, you know, the offense isn't working that great. We can't run the ball. This year it's the defense isn't great. He's never been the coach to just make the minor adjustments each time that lead to the team being an elite and a very successful team. And he's been there for so long now that if they lose to the Patriots this weekend and get, again, beaten by one of the more elite teams in the league, which is who's beaten them so far this season, you just ha- one has to consider, Jerry has to consider, that the problem is the head coaching because they've solved everything else at one time or another and yet they can never seem to pull it all together. And I have to say, as a message to Joe Jones, if he listens to the Fel Mary, which I'm sure he does, this weekend will tell him a lot about his coaching staff and about Jason Garrett because they have the much more talented team. 
if you look at the sort of the top players in this game, then a majority of them are going to be Dallas players, and yet they're going to the to Foxborough and to the Patriots with a plus six betting average. That means that all the betting companies think that the Patriots are going to win by at least a touchdown. The Patriots with the offense that doesn't really work and is tin pot at best, and a defense that can be run on are a plus six favorite, and. That is indicative of how well coached the Patriots are, but also how poorly coached the the Cowboys are. And after this weekend, if they lose, Jerry has to have a look because he does not make the necessary adjustments. Jason Garrett does not make the necessary adjustments. And it's fine margins, and he's missing them. And if he continues to miss them, the Cowboys will never win a Super Bowl. Driscoll threw for three touchdowns this weekend. Rubbish anyway whilst we all pray for jason garrett to finally make some adjustments let's move on to the mailbag another three questions from people on the interweb first one what do i think of colin kaepernick's situation Ooh, very interesting uh so for who, those who are new to the nfl and don't know who colin kaepernick is he was in the league four or five three or four years ago in fact as a quarterback was a talent, went to the playoffs with San Francisco, was a, was a team, a player team could get behind. And then about three years ago, he took to protesting during the national anthem. He would kneel during the national anthem. You probably saw it in the news. Uh, he was then out of the league. He said that he was pushed out of the league as like the teams all agreed to not sign him. So it's called blackballing. That was the allegation. The NFL responded, though, that's not the case. There was an investigation. He wasn't wasn't found to be true. He didn't win the investigation. And this week, he had a, a scheduled practice with the NFL where NFL team representatives could turn up. It was going to be a private practice. Teams would turn up and Kaepernick would work out in front of them and teams would look at picking him up. In my opinion, he is good enough to be in the NFL if you look at some of the other you know, not-so-good QBs around the league. that Colin Kaepernick is a good enough talent to be in the NFL. I understand a lot of the teams not wanting... The controversy. I don't think New England will ever sign him, for example, because they don't like they don't like the attention of the media for things that aren't about football. It's just not what they're about. But in regards to this weekend and him not turning up to the practice, and he ran his own practice and said where the media were allowed to go because he wanted more transparency. That was his statement. The NFL said that he didn't tell them that, and that they were all ready to go, and he left it like a week before telling them and running his own practice on the Saturday instead. He then said that they'd wanted him to sign some sort of NDA where he wasn't allowed to talk about what was going on. So it's tricky, isn't it? Because America's a different country to the UK. They are proudly outgoing of their military and their culture. So kneeling during the anthem means something different there than it would here. I understand him wanting to keep as much media attention as he could because if the media know things and it protects him from just getting slant, sl slandered, slandered, by the press for not doing for not doing the right things and not operating by the book whereas if he's open with them then they're going to be more on his side as the NFL wanted to keep them out so I can see both sides it's a difficult situation for both parties I do hope he gets back in the league with someone there are teams that could definitely use him and I'd like to see him playing but the NFL has to do what the NFL needs to do as an organization so there you are Kaepernick situation I'm denied over <laughs> insightful thank you yes i know fine whatever question number two what do i think of the miles garrett situation this is much funnier 
so what happened what happened if you didn't see it although again was all over the news Miles Garrett at the end of the ball at the very end of the Cleveland game bearing in mind that they were 14 points up and couldn't possibly lose and had no reason to be angry they'd won the game surely should be happy Miles Garrett gets a bit in a scuffle with um Carl Rudolph Rudolph's on top of him he's on top of Rudolph rolling around Rudolph goes to tr- tries to take Garrett's helmet off Garrett takes Rudolph's helmet off Rudolph chases him so Garrett then goes way too far and hits Rudolph over the head with it like like a swinging hay- it wasn't like a tap as well he like hey make it him with it and a lot of people are like, oh my god could have killed him could have you know given him brain damage which is a, a bit of an exaggeration just because you know bones are harder than plastic regardless of how hard you swing them really um but I do get that so the NFL have suspended him indefinitely that's going to change because you're not allowed to suspend someone indefinitely um I think he probably needs 16 game suspension just because not that I don't want to see Miles Garrett play I really like Miles Garrett he's a good defensive player but he's been naughty this season with how he hits anyway and when you do that to a QB the NFL needs their QBs it's what makes people entertaining People watch the Chiefs because of Mahomes, not because of the Chiefs. People watch Seattle because of Russell Wilson, not because of their daring run game. So even a not good QB like Carl Root, Carl Ru- Ma- Mason Rudolph, I'm already calling Carl Mason Rudolph, needs defending because sets a bad precedent if you let your QBs get hit over the head with helmets. So you do something like that to a QB, a leader of the team, the person people turn up for in general, then you're going to have to expect some serious retribution. So 16 games is a season. 16-game ban, I mean, that's a, that's a lot. But I feel like they're not getting the playoffs anyway, so don't worry about that. If you just give them the end of the season, that's only like seven. That's I don't think that's enough. So I'm saying 16-game ban, then let him come back to the league. Probably a more chilled-out person at that point because very weird of you, him to hit someone over the head with a helmet anyway. Very weird. And final question... Can an MVP be a running back? Hmm. I'm assuming this is about McCaffrey because he is sort of the standout running back star this season. He has been unbelievable. I don't personally think an MVP could be a running back. It has happened before. Adrian Peterson was the MVP of the season once. And I suppose if the running back carries a team to a ridiculously good level of success, despite having a terrible QB, then it would be hard to argue against it. But MVP means most valuable, and value means that you get them results. And regardless of how well Christian McCaffrey's playing, Carolina aren't getting results. They aren't in the playoffs. They aren't winning things. So there's a limit to how valuable Christian McCaffrey or any running back is. Dalvin Cook's another one. When Dalvin Cook gets shut down, the Vikings aren't successful. When he's going well, they tend to be successful, but it still requires Kirk cousins to you know actually perform whereas qbs like lamar like patrick mahomes especially like the seahawks and russell wilson and actually like carson wentz who are having to pick up their team and do all the work just to get any sort of result i think they are the more valuable players so nine times out of ten the most valuable player will always be a quarterback because the system is based around them they make it work if they don't play well then usually the team has very little success. Even if they do manage to run the ball with some efficiency, eventually poor QB play means that teams just stack the box and the running back gets shut down. Whereas poor running back play 
can put it all on a QB and a team can still have success. Look at Mahomes. They don't run the ball. They're still winning. So for me, it won't be this season. It can happen. It has happened. But this season, McCaffrey shouldn't be in the in the MVP debate because he's, just, he's not carrying Carolina. Whereas other QBs are having to carry their teams. Looking at you, Mahomes, carrying the entirety of the Chiefs organization. Your back and knees must hurt. And yeah, good free mailbag. Political. I am denied on the first one because I don't want to don't want to weigh in too much. But, you know, it's important that we discuss. On to games of the week. And I've tried to pick uh, a variety each week so we get to see all sorts of different stuff. I said the Raven Houston game would be a close one last week and that didn't end up being the case. But here's one which could go either way. First one I'm going to pick a game of the week is the Buccaneers at the Falcons. Yes, I know the Buccaneers keep losing, but they are wildly entertaining. James Winston is constantly having to throw the ball all the time. So either we see the Buccaneers pass for a million yards on a Falcons defence that relapses and stops being good, or we see James Winston throw a ton more picks at this newly revitalised Falcons team. Entertaining either way. I love a pick and I love a 40-yard bomb thrown touchdown so that's a win-win and then the Falcons as well have just been having a defense that works really benefited Matt Ryan surprisingly they still can't really run the ball and the Buccaneers don't tend to give up much running room anyway so this is going to be an all-out shootout an all-out shootout like that the Falcons wide receiving core are probably one of the best in the NFL Julio Jones is playing amazingly. Matt Ryan has a really good chemistry with his receiving group. So this game is going to be all about the pass game. I absolutely cannot wait to see if either of these defences is bothered to turn up. If they do, then it'll be an entertaining one as it'll be close. If they don't, then it'll be entertaining because they'll both just keep scoring for the entirety of the game and we could have another 100-plus point game. If one of them turns up, then it's going to be a blowout in the other direction. So interesting to see. That's the first one. That kicks off. This Sunday at 6 o'clock. So that is the first game on the list. 6 o'clock, the Buccaneers, and then a passing slugfest against the Falcons. Can't wait. And then the next one, this is the late evening kickoff. This is at 9.25. This is the Patriots at the Cowboys, as I've said. The best defense in the NFL goes up against one of the most efficient passing offenses at the moment. And then going the other way, can the Cowboys defense revitalize themselves against this Patriots not so good offense at the moment my gut tells me that Bill Belichick will coach circles around Jason Garrett and the Cal and the Patriots will come away with it however the Patriots are currently doing a very good job of underdogging themselves while also winning games that's what happened this week against Philadelphia I suggested that Belichick might even allow Philadelphia to possibly have more success but no he won the game and yet somehow managed to make it look like he'd lost the game and all the press were talking about how the Patriots sucked, which is just genius coaching. So it'll be interesting to see. It's at Foxborough. The Patriots tend to play very well at home so that the home crowd know that they're good. But the Cowboys' offense is really entertaining at the moment. This would be a really good... This would be the best test for the Patriots' defense since the Ravens. It's not, it's not as unique as the Ravens' offense, but it's just hard to stop because it's good O-line, good running back, good receivers good QB and they're all functioning at the moment so will we see the Patriots step up and be the def best defense in the NFL again and shut down this Cowboys offense or will it be a close one where the Patriots offense actually needs to get something done in order to keep up with the Cowboys offense very interesting to see can't wait that one kicks off at 9.25 on Sunday <laughs> 
And finally, we will return after our triumphant 3-5 Akastaka. Made the mistake of betting against the Patriots. That's my bad. I won't be doing that again. And of course, betting on the Steelers. What was I thinking? Who knows? But this week, I'm feeling even more com- confident. There's a lot of sort of foreshadowing for the results this week, I think. And actually, a lot of the lines they've given are quite generous. So let's get started. Colts plus 3.5 at Houston. Listen, Houston can't stop the run at the moment. And they also can't run the ball. What do the Colts like to do? Stop you running, run on you. They asked Jacoby Brissett to do very little, and he's brilliant in this sort of microcosm of throws where he makes 20 to 25 throws, not as many, but they like to run the ball. Last week they had two rushes with over 100 yards, and the Texans aren't going to be able to stop them. It's at Houston, that's the advantage, and Deshaun Watson had a bad game, he'll probably bounce back because he's that sort of player, but he's having to do a lot of it in his own at the moment. They haven't got JJ Watt, their defence is wobbling. The Colts plus three and, three and a half, this is what they did to Jacksonville this week. They let them move, you know, they, they get some movement up and down the pitch, but when you get to the red zone, that's where you get in trouble with the Colts. They're, when they're back to the walls, they're very good defensively. And Deshaun Watson is good enough that he will engineer stuff on his own, but he's not good enough and the situation's not good enough that he's going to run away with the game on his own because the Colts are too efficient on the ground and Jacoby Brissett is too too detailed in his short passing game. He'll They'll just chip away at Houston for the rest of the game and it'll be close. Plus three and a half is a good line in this one. I like that one. That's the Thursday night game, by the way. Next one, the Titans, minus 3.5 versus the Jags. Did you see what the Colts did to the Jags? I think the Titans with Tannehill are still a rank outsider for the playoffs. They, He takes more risks in the passing game, but he's much more accurate. I'm so glad they moved off Mariota. He has been... They have been a different team since they brought this in. Derek Henry is a beast in the running game. Minus 3.5, the Jags aren't conjuring up much and the Titans' defence is improving. They're reducing their mistakes, they're moving in the right direction. This is how the Titans tend to be. They get better as the season goes on. They aren't particularly inventive. They've had to reinvent themselves. They've had a week off. I think they might crush the Jags at home. The next one, Atlanta, minus 4.5 versus the Bucks. I'm ready to say Atlanta are good again. All it took for them was to readjust their rushing patterns, and there's only been two weeks of it, so there's not a huge pattern of film to work out what they're doing. Even if there was, the Bucks aren't that good at, at blocking it. Their O-line's not strong enough. They like to run the ball. Atlanta's secondary is good enough to take advantage of James Winston's lack of, you know, awareness or ability to throw at the right people. I like the Bucks wide receivers. We've talked about a lot of times, but this is in Atlanta, in the Dome. Matt Ryan throwing to Julio Jones. The Bucks are having a problem striking the passing. I think they could end up running up quite a big score, like they did against Carolina. Next one, Seahawks plus 1.5 at Philadelphia. Philadelphia just aren't precise enough to win games at the moment. That drop in the last minute against the Patriots, against a team that really they should be taking the game to and running against, was embarrassing. The Seahawks have had a week off. Philadelphia aren't precise enough on either side of the ball, either to stop Russell Wilson or to take advantage of their the Seahawks' weaker defence. They like to get, get, get in your face up front and stop the run. It's going to be all on Carson Wentz. He's very, very good. Carson Wentz is playing really well and he isn't getting a lot of attention for it but it's because Philadelphia as a whole are a bit of a mess Russell Wilson will carry this team I think they'll win outright so plus one and a half lovely margin and finally the Ravens minus three at the Rams minus three I mean it's it's a big line for a Rams defense that's so good but this is the first time they've played the Ravens in this style and it's really hard to prepare for they run like no other team I have ever seen 
Lamar is difficult to prepare for, they can watch film all they want, but how do you practice for a three-man backfield? Very difficult to do. They'll manoeuvre around Aaron Donald for the rest of the game. Lamar's getting better in the passing. And then on the other side of the ball, Todd Gurley had a bit of comeback this week, but it was against a weaker side in terms of stopping the run. Baltimore aren't that weak. They're going to get after Goff. They're going to force him to throw. And the secondary is too good for Goff to absolutely destroy them. He, he will have success because, again, the Ravens aren't perfect, but they are, they're difficult to expose. So those are my five picks. Oh, that was swift. Colts plus three at three and a half, sorry, at Houston. Titans minus three and a half versus the Jags. Atlanta minus four and a half versus the Bucks. The Seahawks plus one and a half at Philadelphia. And the Ravens minus three at the Rams. Good feeling about all of these. I mean, when do I not have a good feeling? But these especially I love. Can't believe I'm getting such a good line on the Colts, particularly. I think that's a really good. To the point where I'm like, what don't I know? But now I've checked. Brissette's there. They're all ready to go. This is going to be a very interesting game. But I think, happy with my choices. So that will bring to an end the Akastaka and end another week of the Fail Mary. Thanks very much for tuning in. Thanks for getting in touch with your mailbag questions. Keep them coming. We are at MKFailMary on Twitter or Instagram or anything like that. Message your, message your questions and I will do my best to answer them. Thanks very much for listening. See you next week. Thank you.